Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expect a Miracle podcast. I'm your host, Richard Roberts, and today I have the privilege and honor of having as my very special guest my wonderful wife of 42 years, yep. Lindsay Roberts. Lindsay, thanks for being. Thank uh, you've you been on one other podcast. I've been on one. Yeah, this is your now second. Now I get two. This is your amazing. second podcast. Uh, you never know what will be done. Okay, so. well, this is everything I ever wanted to ask Lindsay in public. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Doesn't mean I'll answer. But after okay. 42 years, why in this world? When you were planning to be a lawyer, yes. why did you ever get hooked up with a guy named Richard? No idea. <laughs> None whatsoever. You asked me, I said Come on, you got to tell, you got to just tell the people. Uh, truthfully, I was in law school. I was not planning it. God sometimes, I wouldn't say interrupts our plans, but sometimes it is. It, it changes. It and re- redirects? It redirects is a perfect word. And I'm not one to redirect. I am that that kind of person that likes the same thing over and over. Logical, practical. I like a calendar. I like a schedule. And you were a bookworm. And I was a bookworm. Not a TV person. <laughs> never been on TV. No desire to be on TV. And I, I, I still, I still wonder what God was thinking when that happened because. It's not my forte. I had a bucket when you first put me on television. I had a bucket beside me. We'd go to commercial. Well, now, I was smiling and well, I'd now, throw up. Wait a minute now. When she says I put her on TV, you have to understand. Okay, it was. Uh, it dad. was with it was crying, weeping, and gnashing of teeth, uh, because you didn't want to be on television in, in any way, shape, or form. But I wanted you to be by my side. I'm a behind-the-scenes person. You always have been. I love books. I love writing. I love reading. I love introverted studying. Introverted in that sense. I'm, I'm, I'm rather introverted, which I know it seems funny on television for a person to say you're introverted. And I think that perhaps might be the biggest miracle of all, is that God gives me grace to do something like this, some to be in a ministry like this. Didn't some of your family say, that can't My be Lindsay. My family didn't think they, it was they me. They can't be Lindsay on television. They, could, they didn't believe it. They thought it was like a gag or a joke or a prank. <laughs> You know, America's Funniest video, Videos or something like that. They really didn't believe it. They they knew me and knew my personality, and that is not my personality. I am a behind-the-scenes. I'm kind of a fix-it person. You know, the, you and the kids have she called sure me is. Bob the Builder before because I am that way, not only kind of weirdly like building things you know, you go to the big box stores and you buy all those the furniture in a giant box and and you you build it. She thinks that's the greatest thing it's in the blast. world. It's a blast. I like say, go away, give me a little bit of cup of coffee, and see you in a couple hours, and it'll all be done. When our children were little, and we bought Christmas presents for them, and they came in a box uh, with quote some assembly required, she would say, "I'll take care of this. You go fix something to eat." Yeah. <laughs> so some I would assembly cook, required. And next thing I know, she's Lindsay got it all it. put there, and I got food ready prepared. I was okay with cooking, but the, I am not a cook. He loves to cook, and, and I can't read so iron the directions. Iron. I, I, it just yeah, it's strange to me. And and that was probably the answer but, to your question. So how did you get hooked up? It though? is the opposites attract. Um, it is the, it, it's just night and day, but when God puts people together, it's unusual, but you have to listen. Sometimes if you're looking for perfection, you're looking for, you know, he has to fit this bill and this and this and this and this and check off all the boxes, which, you know, that's kind of a cool idea. But, but in my case, it wasn't that way. Uh, it was opposite. Um, I am the studious type. Mm-hmm. I am the bookworm. The reader. I'm a reader. And, and in that, it, I'm not, you know, go and do all the time. You and your dad traveled everywhere, many countries, which I ended up joining you on all these countries and all these places. But it, it wasn't, you know, my childhood dream. My childhood dream was to become a lawyer. And, and actually, it's even worse than that. Not that that's bad. But for me, 
in my way, it would be a tax attorney because I would be able to work with numbers. And I, and you know, that goes back to the bookworm, quiet, sit by myself, get my little notebook. Well, the reason she's so good with numbers is because she has a photographic memory. What was your phone number when you were I'm five? I'm not going to tell it. Five, no. I do know it. So. <laughs> From when she was five years old, she knows her phone I, number. I, you know, it's weird. I can hardly remember my number when I was 60, much less. There, I'm not the only one <laughs> in my family like that, which is really strange. It's not about remembering numbers, but, but several mem- members of our family um, are very unique with numbers in a, in a unique kind of way. So I'm one of those, and because of it, um, I always thought reading books and doing mathematics and you know higher level mathematics was a blast. I thought it was problem solving. It was fun, and so I guess that's the answer. I was I'm a good problem solver when it comes to math. So maybe. <laughs> I saw a guy with all kinds of problems and tried to help him solve it. I am so kidding, but it had to be said. Uh, when she was See, in, I couldn't even clear my throat to say it. When she was in high school, she was tutoring college students in calculus. It was fun. Yeah, I love, and see, that stuff was easy. I don't me. know if I could spell calculus, much less do it. I, that was always, like, it was like a click. Being on television, being in the limelight. People said, do you have ministers in your family? No. Anybody, no. you know, on television? No. And my mother threw a party when I passed eighth grade algebra. Well, see, we all have our giftings. And so, By the skin of my teeth. But, and, and, and I was the opposite. Don't put me in front of a crowd and tell me to sing because the crowd will leave. I mean, it's just the way it is. And so iron does sharpen iron. We all have our gifts. You know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. What happens when you assemble yourselves together is people's giftings and callings come out and they start to shine in their own particular way. Well, after we first got married, uh, Lindsay would uh, have these books that she would write in. And she'd write page after page after page, telling of her experiences, what she'd been through, what she was believing God for, what she was praying about. And God took that and used that and put you as a co-writer and a ghost, a what ghost they call writer. a ghost writer with, with my father, dad. Earl Roberts, you helped him write many of the books that he wrote, especially as he got older. Mm-hmm. He would come into her and say, here are 10 or 15 pages of handwritten notes. He said, turn this into a hundred page book and Lindsay could do it. But you were doing it, you were doing it as a seed, almost like an apprentice in those days. I was at the, probably the greatest gift I've ever been given as a material gift in my life was one day your mama knocked on my, or actually called me. She said, go out in your garage, there's a file cabinet out there. Now you have to understand how bad this was. This file cabinet was so old and so rickety that there was rust all over it. And it was kind of a short one with like two drawers all stuffed together, pushed together. And then your mama to make it look a whole lot better, because honestly it was all dented and total rust everywhere. Your mama put contact paper to make it look like wood. Now, it was horrible. Only my mother would do that. Only your mother would do that. And so I giggled and said, do you want me to throw it in the trash? Because I thought she brought it, had it sent to me so I could junk it. And she said, no, look inside. Inside were all your dad's handwritten notes, handwritten sermons, from as um, far back as I the notebook went as far back as I believe if I if I remember right May of 1940 his first place to preach and his first handwritten sermon and she said Oral wants you to have all this because he trusts you with it you'll know what to do with it you'll take care of it and you'll yeah. use it so I started reading it and to be honest with you I wouldn't say I memorized it 
but I was very familiar with it. And that, thank God for the way God gave me a memory because when I would edit a lot of his material and then seeing his videos, seeing all the tent crusades, I would watch these over and over. I, for some reason, had an ability to mem not memorize, but certainly have a good recollection of his material. So I now even today can say, oh, it's in this book and it's in that book on, in 1960, he wrote a book like this and this. And I could recall it, but I don't think it was to say I could memorize. That wasn't important. But it was in you. But because it was in me, I believe it helped me help your dad. Mm -hmm. I believe it helped me as a Christian. I believe it helped me yeah. work in the ministry. Well, you helped me with books as well. You helped me when I wrote uh, The God of a Second Chance. You helped me with, with, with doing that and other books. And then you began to write books yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, a Cry for Miracles. Mm -hmm. You wrote a book called 36 Hours with an Angel. Uh, Be Blessed, Not, not Stressed. stressed. <laughs> yeah, that was prophetic right there. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy. That, Boom. That launched Lindsay, Crazy Amazing Miracles, which mm -hmm. you wrote. Uh, that launched Lindsay into a writing uh, of, of books that has been very uh, prolific and very profound in her life. And something happened recently. Uh, she has uh, gone together with HarperCollins, the second largest publisher in America, mm -hmm. to do a new book. And uh, it's called Discover Your True Worth, Becoming the Woman God Created You to Be. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most fabulous little books I've ever I've ever read in my life. It's more than 200 pages. Mm -hmm. um, it is... Uh, it is, it is part of a mandate that my father, Earl Roberts, prophesied over her before he died, that you would begin to write about women of substance. You want to share a little bit about what, what that was, because this was just before he passed away. So for many years, um, well, all my years in the ministry knowing your father, we would sit down and he would, he would give me a project. And we would talk it out for, when I say this about your dad, he would talk for hours and hours. Sometimes it would go 10 to 12 hours at a stretch and he'd say, get a little rest and come back in the morning. And, and we would go 12, 15 hours that day and the next day and the next day. I've never seen anybody like that. He was like a machine. When he had creative ideas, they would just spew out and mm -hmm. I would write as fast as I could. I had my own kind of shorthand that was my Oral Roberts shorthand. And that is part of the beauty of knowing yeah. his material. You'd come home with rafts of, of yellow legal pads from top to bottom were written all the way through. Literally stacked on top. We tried to use, we didn't have cell phones in that day uh, where we could record. Yeah, now, this was in the 80s. Just before we went to heaven, I did have a cell phone with me and I was able to record some things from your daddy just days before he went to heaven, which was wonderful. But but back then, 80s, 90s, 2000s, you didn't do things like that. So I would tell him, you got to stop. I think my hand cannot work anymore. And so he'd say, right left-handed. <laughs> and and I could to a little bit of a degree. So I'd be going left-handed. Not great, but I would, you know, I'd switch back and forth. But, and, but he gave you a concept. But he said something that through, it, it, it was a common thread throughout all of his ministry. And that was, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Your dad believed in lifting people up as opposed to putting people down. He said, Jesus went to the cross to be lifted up. He said he loved lifting up people yeah. and making people yeah. better than when he appeared. And he never preached against something. He always preached, preached for, for something. something. He would always say, I preach Christ and him crucified. Yeah. Now, your dad had a lot of good, really good reasons to hate somebody 
or good reasons to get back at or somebody, attack somebody or attack somebody. I mean, talk about being lied about. I mean, Oro should have had a crown on his head as the most <laughs> lied about person that I knew in my whole lifetime. But he didn't care. He knew he had a, a, a business to do, and, and that was about his father's business. He had a mission to do what God called him to do. Now, part of that was he was diagnosed at 17 with tuberculosis, and he was dying. And God raised him up through a supernatural healing uh, from a healing evangelist in the healing ministry. Now, there was no other way for Oral to be alive. He knew that every breath he took was, was supernatural. From that day on, he knew that his life was a gift from God, and he had to give back to God every breath he took. In saying that, you could misinterpret it that he was a feisty guy that was so driven and so intense. But the truth is, I think in the back of his mind, in fact, I'm certain of this, in the back of his mind, if he wasn't doing that to that level of intensity and constancy and always doing it, then if that's the case, somebody like little Oral Roberts at 17 years old could die because he faced death as a teenager and he faced life as a teenager and he faced healing as a teenager. The controversy was never pleasant. It hurt him. Don't kid yourself that it didn't hurt him. It hurt him. It hurt every member of his family. It hurt. It hurt Richard. It hurt me, at least sure. the family members I've talked to about it. And and the to this day, the fallout and the backlash still happens. But he had to rise above it to do what he felt God called him to do. Now, having said all that, I had all those years of experience. I had every drop of his material that he had given to me. And then it went a step further. He said, now it's your turn. And I'm like, okay, get your pen and pencil and start writing. And he said, no. He said, this will be your mission for the rest of your life. And I thought, okay. And my thought was to continue producing Oral Roberts books, take his material, material he had never put in print, put that material into more books mm -hmm. of Oral Roberts. And, and you know, the, the giant... Uh, file cabinet he gave me, make sure that that, that you know, is preached yeah, and taught. Because there's so much of his material that never been turned into Oh, I still have. I, I'm talking thousands upon thousands yeah, of pages. You could do another hundred books of his. I could do a hundred books and not even begin to touch the surface of what he had given me. But he said, no. He said, this is different. He said, I want, I want to so tell you about the dream that he had. Day. He said, it's my day. And I said, what does that mean? He said, God gave me a dream that these are for you. And he had that dream several days in a row. It was very prophetic. And he said, God wants you to take on what I did in healing, meaning what he did, and talk to women about being healed in their self-worth, being healed in their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions. Of course, it's important for physical healing. But he said, I want you to show women their worth and their value how valuable they are to God. Women can be just like your dad. I think that was the side of him that was so emotionally abused by the world in so many ways. I feel like the hurts that he, the hurt that he suffered in tuberculosis and not dying gave him a passion to do something. Well, I feel like the emotional attacks that he had gave him a passion to see other people set free in their mind, in their will, in their emotions, in being hurt, in being damaged, in being wounded. And I believe that's what he was doing, but it was closer to the end of his lifetime. And he knew that it would take the next, in a sense, the next generation to do it. Well, he knew the, the hits you and I had taken. 
He knew the things I had gone through even as a child and then all the way up until, you know, the day he gave me children and everything. And every, I, much of those experiences are actually in this book. And, um, and in going through that, I think he felt like this, this sounds like a really ridiculous word, but I'm going to tell you what he said, that when you go through things, Jesus said, if you don't suffer with me, you will not reign with me. You'll know me in the fellowship of my sufferings. And when he said that, Oral explained that what he went through gave him a knowledge, not that he was suffering the same way Jesus did, but to understand suffering humanity. And that was a big thing to Oral. And to persevere. And to persevere through it. And then find what God has called you to do and just do it. And that's what he was saying to me. I think he knew that my personality would be more to be hurt and to be wounded and to cry a lot. And instead, he was more like just just buck up kid and do it. And, and there was a lot of encouragement, even in him saying, stop being wounded. God can get you through this and just do it. And he began to pour into Lindsay to, to write and teach about women, Mm -hmm. particularly women of substance and their true worth. That's how this book came into being. And um, it's got 14 chapters. The, the, The first one that really is fascinating to me, welcome to the unconvention. Perhaps you, like the women in the Bible, like many women in general, are like me, have found that your journey through life feels unconventional. You want to share a word about that? This is chapter one. Simple. Jesus was born in a barn, yet he was the king of kings and lord of lords. Right. That's unconventional. Jesus took fish with coins in their mouth to pay taxes. Okay, come on. That's unconventional. (laughs) He spit on the ground, took the spit from himself, picked up the mud, and placed it in the man's eyes when he simply could have said, be healed in my name. Um, Why did he do that? I think there's lots of reasons to do it. And that's actually in the book. Uh, There's a lot about DNA and why did he take what God made us from the dust of the earth, you know, and why did he make DNA? What is your, a lot of times you can tell the essence of who you are through the spit and it's it's, um, like tested for your DNA. I think he took his DNA, infused it with the dust of the earth that we're made for, made from, and created a miracle because he knew we're fearfully and wonderfully made. When he talked to a fig tree and it died at the root, why? Because he was there at creation. When he found out how God created it, he also found how God could recreate something. And, and it's the insight of the Bible that your dad gave me that he wanted me to impart to women that If God wanted the entire planet to be male, he could have done that. If God wanted the entire planet to be female, he could have done that. If he didn't want to make male or female, he could have done that. If we believe that through creation in Genesis chapter one, in the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, how God created, if God didn't want trees or animals or birds or or pigs, he could have done it however he wanted. But this is how he did it. And, And to feel like we are in any way not fulfilling what God has called us to do because I'm a female, I'm this, I'm that. We tease me in my family because I do skate the five feet mark. I'm above it, but barely. barely. My little granny, she swore she was four foot 10, but if she hit four foot eight, I'll eat my hat. (laughs) But my grandfather was real, real big. But you know what? It worked. God created me this way. I've always wanted to be five foot 10. I'm not, but God created me this but way. But your feet touch the floor. My feet touch the floor, and I can use those feet for dancing, for walking, for praising the Lord. And what God was teaching Oral to teach me is 
This is who we are and make the very best of it. Mistakes, shortcomings, failures, faults, anything that isn't perfect how it was supposed to line up, it's okay. Now there are three three unconventional women in the Bible that you talk mm -hmm. about. Uh, you talk about Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary, Joanna, Joanna, and Susanna. Susanna, and you call them in one chapter, the Gucci girls. When you think about it, uh, Mary was from, Mary Magdalene was from a place, uh, Magdala or however you say that, um, and that was known biblically for prostitution and for, let's just say, one scripture, it talks about some ways people lived as riotous living. Can we just say it that way? Um, someone from there who perhaps according to the Bible, that the Bible insinuates, might have a reputation. And then you go to Joanne and Susanna. This is someone who has like the style of the hostess with the mostess. And then someone that has a husband that's high up in the government. They don't pair well together at a party. They don't mix. They don't mix. <laughs> and I made a comment about, you know, one might be wearing shoes that are Gucci, one might be wearing shoes from Fredericks of Hollywood. You know, there's just, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with either one, but, but you know, they might not necessarily go to the same places to shop. They might not wear the same outfits. They might not eat the same food. They might not or go hang to with the, the same, same crowd. social circles. <laughs> But why were they in the room together when Jesus taught one of the most amazing parables, the parable of the sower? Why were they there and why were they not only there but called out by name? Very few names are named in the Bible. I believe it's they were women who supported Jesus, who, you know the word submission means getting under the mission, to support the mission. They supported Jesus' mission. And God has an amazing way of putting unconventional like you and me, unconventional people together. Into the foundation. To, under the foundation to undergird. <laughs> and you know what, synergetically they work together perfectly. You started this program by saying about, you know, how could, you know, a woman who is a bookworm, you know, I thought a 98 was a sin out of 100%. I, I was, I was, you know, you had to get 100. Get 100. And, and I talk a lot about my background like that. And me, if I get a 70, we'd have a party. Yeah. So, but you know what? <laughs> Somehow the way the Bible teaches working together with Mary, Joanna, and Susanna, Mary Magdalene, the Bible shows how different cultures, different classes, ethnicity, different uh, money, different backgrounds, whatever you want to call different. How it can work perfectly together when the center point is Jesus Christ. Now you have a chapter here titled, If it's broken, fix it. If it's not broken, leave it alone, mm -hmm. but don't give up. There was a story of the Heinz Corporation when they finally, after many, many years, uh, perfected ketchup to what we see today. It was not broken. It had turned into a billion dollar industry and it was amazing. And much of the sales of Heinz ketchup comes from my household because of my husband. And, and you know, this, if, I think if they ever changed the formula, I'm not sure what Richard would do, but they had finally perfected it. And somebody in their organization got the idea to change the color to purple and turquoise. And I think one was pink and a lot of other things. Can you and, imagine a different color ketchup? And it was a failure. Yeah. When something is working, you need to ask God, do we need to change it before you invest a lot of money and watch it fail? I, I couldn't put purple ketchup on my french fries. See, but on the other hand, if it's broken and it isn't right, fix it. And the trick is knowing the difference. And the don't give up is Florence Chadwick, a woman who could swim the English Channel 
but couldn't swim her home area of Catalina because she misread and was misguided where the finish line was. So many times we give up when the finish line is staring us in the face. And Florence Chadwick didn't give up. She didn't get discouraged. She looked at it as another opportunity to swim. Wow, that was your dad. You know, people said and did things to your father that I'm surprised that lightning didn't strike him at that moment and I wanted to step back. But the truth of the matter is your dad just saw it as another opportunity to preach and pray for the sick. And I would tell him, you just, you just, you just should just stop. And he'd say, no, no, I can't. And I'd make him talk me down because he would really convince me that the only thing that mattered was God's opinion. You say here, many times I've looked at life as if it were a one-act play, Mm -hmm. a drama unfolding before my eyes. Now let's clarify something here. Drama is not trauma. Mm -hmm. This chapter is called, If Life Were a One-Act Play. Drama is sometimes you walk out in the day and how, you know when they say no matter what could have happened, it happened today. Um, Drama is when everything around you is dramatic. Everything that you plan, I'm a planner, and everything that you planned and you put in your little day timer and you put, you only had so much square to fill up in the little box goes, you know, ballistic. And for me, I have to know, okay, if this goes awry, what's plan two and plan three? I will not only have a plan A and B, I'll probably get right down towards the end of the end of the alphabet. Richard's a little more fly by the seat of his pants and will wing it and work it out. And (laughs) and sometimes that's conflicting and sometimes it's very freeing. But the truth of the matter is David had trauma. David had drama. And then it said David recovered it all. There's a lot to that. You may have faced trauma in some very severe ways. And trauma is not drama. Trauma is trauma. Trauma is mostly, in, in many ways, trauma can be very physical. It can be a lot of things. Trauma is trauma. Drama is drama. David went through trauma and drama and loss and being turned against by all of the people around him. But the final point was David recovered it all. By the end of a one-act play, have you ever noticed that first it starts out so dramatic and the dramatic music, and then all the stuff happens, but by the end of a one-act play, it's all resolved. It's sort of like Hallmark. At the end of, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, the world is perfect. And, And life is not always like that, but we can believe God that even in the midst of trauma and drama, we can recover. That's what God promised. If he promised it to David, he can promise it to us. Here's another chapter. Best known as Queen Esther. Esther was not even her birth name. Her parents, about whom little is known, gave her the name Hadassah. This chapter is called Esther, more than just a pretty face. Many people look at Esther that she was born beautiful to be queen. Oh, she got to be queen. Oh, cool. You know, there's, oh, cool, and oh, that's a lot of responsibility. Because in her case, being queen was not about the crown. Being queen was about saving the nation. And many times we look at other people and we look at other people's situations and think, wouldn't it be awesome to be that? The truth is she put her life on the line just by walking into the palace. And sometimes we look at the exterior and think, if I could only do that, if I could only be that, oh, oh me, oh my. And when the truth of the matter is, sometimes it's more than just a pretty face. Sometimes it's more than makeup. Um, many times doing this program, I've, I've done television when I was pregnant 
and and this is how far back it goes that we've done television many years. I went into labor on with, the air on the air with 45 live. minutes left live in a program, and I was there for 45 minutes. She leaned on me and said, uh, "I'm in labor. I'm in labor. <laughs> I'm in labor." I, believe me, I knew. And and then you know, your father. God bless you, Oral Roberts. When we get to heaven, we're going to have a little chat with you about this. But he wanted me to present Jordan on the air when my precious Jordan was born. And he was going to be the, you know, the MC of it. And, and he was going to host the program. You were in the hospital with me and they had a link up so they could show my beautiful Jordan. And I had a real tough time with Jordan in that after Jordan was born, I had to go straight into surgery. I had a lot of what, what some may say life-threatening things happening. It was very uh, scary for me. And, and she was born about four o'clock in the morning. By nine o'clock in the morning, I was on live after being in surgery. I, I was With holding a baby. Jordan, your arms. I birthed the baby. I went into surgery. I put on makeup. I did my hair. And I went live with my father-in-law. From Oral the hospital Robert, room. Roberts. Now, there is no logic in that. Don't do it. I would never recommend it. I shouldn't have done it myself. But, but, a lot of times, you deal with the hand you're dealt in some of the most comical ways. <laughs> and that was not what I grew up believing I would be or doing what I believed I would do. But I understood your dad. He wanted to show a miracle. Now, Richard, sometimes we do things differently for the right reasons. Esther did things differently, but it was for the right she reasons. She saved a nation. We, I was not saving a nation, but I was presenting a miracle, and that was really important to your dad at the time. Now, you talk about Esther in a different way in this chapter. You talk about Delilah, Queen Esther's twin. Easy. That one is easy to see. People may not get it, but it's easy to see. They were both beautiful. A twin actually means having similar characteristics. Some of it means, you know, identical like parenting. But if the real definition of it actually talks about identical or very similar characteristics. And to be honest with you, Esther was beautiful, so was Delilah. Esther had a purpose and a cause, so did Delilah. Esther was intent on doing it what she was believed she was called to do, so was Delilah. Esther used her powers greatly, so did Delilah. But the truth is, what do you do with what you've been given? Do you do it for God's kingdom? Do you do it against God's kingdom? Do you do it for good or for destruction? They both had very unique and talented similar qualities and very driven to see those qualities come to pass and, and be used for a purpose. It just depends on what the purpose is. So when God gives you amazing qualities, you may think, well, what could I do with this? But God thinks I have a purpose. A lot of endorsements uh, for this book have come in and they're all written here in the book. The first is by Bishop T.D. Jakes, mm -hmm. a New York Times bestselling author who said, congratulations to Lindsay Roberts for being a woman who allows the many aspects of her life to help other women find their path for the journey ahead of them. Miss mm -hmm. uh, Kay Robertson, the matriarch of the Robertson family, Duck, Duck Dynasty. Dynasty. <laughs> I love that And, and she, she talks about uh, you come on this journey with Lindsay to discover why God made you his heir. Uh, Kevin Adele, who's the founder of the Word Network, uh, has millions of viewers. Uh, I believe this book must get into the hands of every woman currently in ministry and every woman who feels called to serve God in any way. It's provocative, challenging, and personal. Wait till you get to chapter Becoming a Woman of Faith. That's what he talks about. You have to, have to read the book to see. Marilyn Hickey. My dear friend, a long time for friend. over 40 years. Uh, Discover Your True Worth is not just a book. It's a concept dear to Lindsay's heart. 
Exactly. Uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> Dwayne Chapman, Dog the Bounty Hunter. You've seen him on TV for so sweet, many years. Right. He's a sweet, uh, sweet woman. He, he said, this book will be a comfort and source of strength to all who have suffered and long to see God turn their pain into a beautiful purpose. Uh, Joni Lamb, the co-founder of the Daystar Network, uh, asked the question, uh, what is my worth? You know, and she gets that question, she says a lot. I highly recommend this engaging book to, to guide you in discovering your true worth. Kenneth Copeland, our longtime friend and a mentor to me, this book is wonderful and powerfully anointed. I personally know the behind the scenes battles and great victories that Lindsay has fought and won by faith. Mm -hmm. And he describes what this book, he, he says it not only for women, but he said it's for men. I believe uh, that's true. Lisa Osteen Comas. I love her. Whose brother is Joel Osteen. Uh, Pastor Lisa, April, all the uh, Osteens. I love Dodie, uh, Mama Dodie. What a beautiful Discover your true worth will empower you to live an unconventional life because we serve an unconventional God. Uh, Kathy Duplantis. Uh, her husband, uh, Jesse, Jesse DePlantis, are great friends. Sweet woman of God. Lindsay Roberts is a valuable treasure. That's how I feel about you. Thank you. Who shines brilliantly through the pages of her book. She has boldly embraced her mandate to help women prepare to take their rightful place and come to the forefront of life. Uh, Margaret Court, the winningest tennis professional of all time, who now is a pastor in Australia. This is a now book for women. As a woman of faith, Lindsay shares how she applies God's word to her life and family in many situations. It was designed to help encourage and strengthen you to become the woman that God has called you to be. Terry Savelle Foy. Millions of followers on her page. I believe this book can completely transform your self-worth and should be required reading for every woman who longs to believe her true worth and live the life she's worth living. Uh, Dr. Don and Mary Colbert, a physician from uh, from Florida and mm -hmm. from Texas, where their offices are, New York Times best-selling author. We appreciate Lindsay's honest approach and transparency as she shares real-life stories and examples in this book. Lots of examples. And, and Tim Story, uh, who is involved in that Hollywood prayer group Precious and, and Tim, ministers Hollywood to Bible Hollywood stars. stars. Uh, in a time when many people seek their sense of worth from the number of followers on social media, Lindsay Roberts has written what I believe to be a life altering book that shifts the focus to what is truly important. Uh, and this is, this is a, this is a must read. It really is. And you can get it by going online to oralroberts.com. Discover your true worth, becoming the woman God created you to be. Now, you would expect me to say nice things about it because uh, she's my you wife. You better. And no. I'm, I'm, I'm her husband. But, but Lindsay, I've got to say to you, you know, after typing the manuscript for you six times and getting to know this book almost as good as you. Backwards uh, and forwards. Uh, I would type it and she would... Uh, she change would change it. it, and I'd type it again, she'd change it. Change it. And that's kind of like what I used to do for my dad. Yep, exactly. And, uh, but Lindsay, I am so proud of you. I'm proud, you. I'm proud of you for a number of reasons, but most of all because God has led you to write this, mm -hmm. and I believe it's going to be a tremendous encouragement to women. Thank God you bless you for much. writing this. Thank you, thank you. You know, we all have words we could put, and some, like you said, I'd change it. Sometimes I wanted to write something, and I put it in, in print. We would put it down and put it in print, and God would say, you know, let's just fix that a little. And I'd say, okay. And sometimes I'd not want to say something and I wouldn't want to tell certain things. And God would say, let's just fix that a little. So, you know, we have to hear from God. We have to obey God. We have to ignore a lot of things that take us out of our true worth, that really, you know, destroy our true worth and find out what God says about us and how to be lifted up. I was encouraged by your dad. 
I was encouraged by you. I've been encouraged by my daughters. I'm encouraged. I have a, I have a wonderful people I get the privilege of working with. I had wonderful people at HarperCollins. I had the privilege of working with godly Christian And you women. mentioned them. You mentioned I, them. And I mean every word of it. They're godly women that lift up the name of Jesus. Now, having said all that, I want to take being lifted up because it turned out to be what I, I, I'm very proud of the product. Now, you take that. I want to pass that to somebody else, and I want to yeah. say, you can do it. You can do this. It's okay. We can get through this, or you can get through this. And help put you on a road of encouragement to really believe in yourself, believe in God, and believe you can do what you're called to do. Lindsay, just before we close this podcast, would you pray over the needs of people? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, and I love to use those words. I love to pray. I pray for you right now. Whoever it is that's listening, maybe a male, maybe a female, maybe you don't know your true worth, maybe you know exactly what you want to do in life, but I pray for you. I pray for you physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, in every area of your life. I pray for whatever need you're going through, for God to minister to you in just the way that you need it. I pray for God to touch you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I pray for especially, especially healing in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. I pray for you to be encouraged today, to be encouraged in every area of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. And I agree with that prayer because I believe with all my heart that God can help you become the person that you really want to be. I praise God for that. And I set my faith with Lindsay's prayer. I come against every sickness and every disease, every fear and every doubt, anything that's unlike God that has come to attach itself to you. I rebuke it and bind it in the name of Jesus and pray for your complete 100% full healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lindsay, thanks for being a guest on my You're podcast. You're very welcome. Order this book, oralroberts.com. I believe it'll be a blessing. I'll see you next week. To request Lindsay's book, Discover Your True Worth, just go to oralroberts.com slash bookstore or call 1-844-828-1412.